welcome back to the Page 11 podcast, the non-recommended podcast for all. And you will see why soon. Oh my god, no, you are not. Alright, so literally not even five minutes before we started recording, (laughs) as we said before, Tito is extremely excited this topic i i'm excited too but i can't even claim i'm excited anymore because <laughs> his level of excitement went beyond he has 11 uh, he has 11 tabs open right now well 12 tabs open 11 on on serial killers <laughs> i have one on the um on the beard yeah on, yeah on profiling okay so this is going to be a very lengthy yes, yeah. episode and this is going to be a re- reoccurring topic warning on everyone and also we are also going to warn that we are definitely going to have to do a battery change in between because Woo-hoo! <laughs> because we're i'm special i did not charge the batteries properly and, and i'm going to this is this is all right so for those of you who don't know um this topic that we're currently covering is something that i was going or i am currently going to school for yeah um, so it's not, I'm not going to school to try to become a serial killer. I get that a lot, surprisingly. Where they're like, oh, what are you trying to become you a serial killer? You have said some questionable like, shit in the past, um, which which, brought up the, which, <laughs> which has brought up the Freddy effect. Oh, the, which yeah. Which I can't yeah. wait for that spin. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's, uh, um, so, basically, um, I, w- I'm going to school for forensic psychology, and I'm trying to get into the, um, uh, behavioral analysis unit or I guess it's called Behavioral Sciences Unit now, it's BSU, um, for criminal profiling for the FBI is, like, my end goal. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, so that that's something that um, I'm very passionate about is learning about serial killers, learning how they work, learning how they think and stuff like that, and just uh, I'm, I'm fascinated with um, antisocial personality, which I just think is, it's just, it's just very, very fascinating how that works and how it <clears throat> um, basically leads people to do what they do. And I seriously think there's a book that we kind of want to touch on. Oh, yeah. Um, we called, have, this is a perfect time to bring yeah, up that the, book. The, it's, it's called The Psychopath Inside, for those of you who, don't, who haven't read it. Um, it's, it it's, is a very eye-opening yeah, read. Let me make sure um, I have the name right. Yeah. Um, pretty much it is... Almost a study, really, yeah. of a neuroscientist that did a blind study, mm-hmm. and he and, was he was studying Alzheimer's. Yeah, and uh, he all, and then it came up to uh, he would he could identify something in the brain yeah. that would indicate someone With had the potential s- of being a psychopath. Yeah, so he was he was doing multiple studies. One of the studies that he was doing was um, he was studying the minds of, of convicted killers and people that um, fell into the lines of antisocial personality or psychopathic, yeah. um, basically psychopaths. And he found a link within um, the scans. Yeah, and so he was able to find this, this link that in which they could look at a brain scan and he got to where he could look at two separate brain scans, one of a killer, one of not a killer, and he could determine which one was the killer based on the brain scan, based on the the brain function. Um, And then so at the same time, he was running another study about Alzheimer's and uh, he used his family as a control group. And during this study, um, one of the family members of his, he also scanned his own brain, um, during this study, he found out that one of them was had had the, all the trademark signs of a psychopath. 
So of course, because of his other study, he thought, oh, we mixed up one. And so they lifted the blind study so he could see which one it was. And in case it was like, if it was a mix-up, they could fix it and restart. If it wasn't a mix-up, he knew that somebody in his family of his control group had the potential to be a psychopath. Um, so he, they lift the blind study and it ends up being his brain scan. And uh, so that was when he actually learns that he's a psychopath. And here he has the, the mindset of one. And um, I personally believe that, and I, that's a, it's a topic that we're going to cover. We're going to cover this book at some yeah, point. Yeah, we are going to cover the book um, in itself at some point. So I that's just, we're trying not to get too yeah, much into it. Um, just personally, I believe that this book... You should book, definitely go and read it. So oh, definitely. It was yeah. written by uh, James Fallon, who is the actual guy that um, is now, he knows that he's a psychopath. And um, I, I think that his findings paired with the story of Ed Kemper who is a killer that we're definitely going to cover, um, that them two combined, I think, is going to change how we see antisocial personality and how we see psychopaths in general. Um, I, it's, it was just, yeah, it's, it's a potentially revolutionary how all of this works, and it, it's a phenomenal book for anybody interested. I, I highly recommend it. It's amazing. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's something that we just wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we want to go into it anymore, if we want to save it for that other episode. Um, uh, not in the book. I think we're good on the book okay. because, like I said, we could go on forever about that. Book. Oh yeah, definitely. And I, I think um, that's another. I, I think Ed Kemper. I'll probably bring him up when we're talking about the book again. But I, I definitely still want to cover him here because. And Do you my. Want to jump into Ed Kemper now. Um, I say we start how we were going to. Okay. So we're we're gonna talk about. Um, do you want to talk about the unit first, or do you want to talk about? Uh, I said, hey, we talk about H. H. Holmes first. H. H. Holmes. Was All the right. First. He was the first recorded yeah. American serial killer. Um, and he was disturbingly brilliant. Oh, yeah. In everything he yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, And it, it's crazy to think that he barely passed medical school. Like, he really didn't even truly pass it. Mm -hmm. Like, he was put up to review a few times, right? Yeah. And um, he came up with this... He was fascinated with dissecting and mutilating the human body. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had problems of boarding school, even though he came up with this idea to uh, marry a rich girl, not based on, like, love or anything, but just because she had she money, had money. So that she could uh, pretty much front the money for his exports in the medical field, mm -hmm. and just so he can, like, dissect bodies all the time. Yep. And <clears throat> while he was in school, he was dealing with financial trouble, and him and his lab partner came up with this scheme to find cadavers of a whole family mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, say that they died and collect the insurance money on them um, but this failed he never he never was able to do it because uh, he couldn't find those cadavers and then later on he's like well you know what I can still do this scheme but I'll just say that I die and <clears throat> my wife will be on on it and he actually killed his lab partner that knew about it. Yeah. And used him as the cadaver. And that was his first kill. And, you know, just like how we've talked before about, um, like how the kill is, the, is chasing the dragon. And he just kept on chasing that dragon. Yep. And that's when he changed his name. What was his original name? Because H.H. Um, uh, Holmes was the identity he came up with after. Yeah. Uh, Herman Webster Mudgett. 
Yes, he, he yeah, Mudget was his original name. And then he beca- he essentially became rich from mm-hmm. his killings. Yeah. Because he would sell the bodies to, to schools, uh, whether it was as is, as cadavers, just saying, like, they died of natural causes, because he would, uh, his main form was poison, wasn't it? His, his main yeah. cause of death was poison? Yeah. And, um, again, this is the 1800s, so they didn't have a whole lot of um, tests to run to yeah. make sure it was, so uh, he was legitimate death. Oh, well, that's another good point. How much would he have gotten away with? Now, not as much. Yeah. N- nowhere near as much. Um, because a lot of, like, when, it, when, it, when he got further in his career... Um, he had a, uh, a hotel mm-hmm. um, that he had built, and it had like secret rooms, staircases to nowhere. It was a whole it maze was, that only he knew um, how to work. Bates Motel, I believe, was based off of him. Yeah, and uh, like his his concept of well, also, he just had. I almost had a feeling that um, Sweeney Todd was kind of based off him because probably. he also had yeah. a. Uh, he did have a few other stores, including I think it was a barber shop. Mm-hmm. And he would kill his victims. Yeah. And he would kill his customers. Mm-hmm. And he and would he sell would, their bodies. Let's see. Um, he, and uh, this is a topic I want to get into. I don't know how much of American Horror Story that you... I actually haven't seen any of it. Um, um, it was one of the creepiest things of how I saw how well they portrayed him. Because he's in it. They have him. And they also have uh, Richard Ramirez in it. Okay. Twice. Oh, in interesting. Two, in two different... Um, Richard Ramirez is another tab that I have open. Yes, That's we will, why, we will yeah. talk about him, too. <laughs> um, they have him in two different series, because the way how it works is every season is, it's like, a different, is a yeah. different kind of thing. And they did one where he was in the 80s, back in his prime, and the actor that they got for him, I didn't I didn't know what he actually looked like. So mm. when I saw him, so when I saw the picture of Richard Ramirez, I'm like, holy shit! That kid that they got to play him looks dead on really? like him. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, but so yes. I do want to talk about American oh, we, Horror we Story will, at some point. We'll, we'll talk. Oh yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a topic that we yeah, can talk about. Um, but yeah, so H.H. H. Holmes had this thing. They called it the Murder Castle, and it was essentially this hotel. It had a bunch of like secret rooms, staircases to nowhere, stuff like that. And in the uh, in the basement, it had a furnace that was big enough to fit a human body. Um, and so he would hire people to assist him, and they, the people would come in, and they would like want to stay at the hotel and stuff. And he would have these these people come in, and he would he would hire them, and he would gain their trust. And it was typically younger people, a lot of females, and a lot of, and he would get them to trust him basically. And then he would use his intelligence and his um, doctorate, like his just his just stature. His, he would use well, his also, stature. Well, also while he was getting the everything built, he would only have workers work on certain sections. Oh, yeah, so yeah. He hired a no one knew on. the entire... Yeah, he would he would yeah. hire people, they would and build part of it, and then he would fire them, or he would kill them, and then he yeah. would bring new people in. Um, so he, uh, he actually... Um, he would hire somebody, and he would get them to trust him, and then he would use, like, his, um, oh, yes, you know, I'm very smart, I, I've made a lot of money, if you want to be successful, this is what you should do, and then he would always tell them... Well, yeah, um, one of them was a prostitution ring, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. And he would always tell them, like, hey, take out... Uh, life insurance policies and protect your loved ones and then like he would he would basically alienate them from the rest of the world so he would be considered kind of their mentor their loved one and so they would take out that life insurance policy and then eventually he would manipulate them into putting him as the recipient of the life insurance if they ever died and then he would kill them 
and uh, they would die. He would claim the life insurance. And then when people asked about them, again, it's the 1800s, people would ask, oh, what happened to that new hire that you had? And he'd tell them, oh, they went back home to Chicago or they went back home to, you know, the, or sorry, they were in Chicago. He, they would, he'd be like, oh, they went back home to like Minnesota or they went back home to wherever. And he would just name all these places and say, oh, they, they decided to move on. I gave them all the advice that I could give them and they went to bigger and better things. And people actually like thought of him as like this very respectable person and this very, very smart like businessman who knew how to make a lot of money because he made a lot of money, just not through the ways that people thought. Um, so he, he just had like this system in place and it was just, I mean, it was kind of for the time, it was foolproof. Like it was, yeah. it was a great system. Um, how many deaths did he have? Well, before? okay, so he, he confessed, he confessed, he confessed to 27 um, only nine could be, yeah, well, okay, so he confessed to 27, only nine could be, like, plausibly confirmed, um, and several of the people that he claimed were still alive at the time of his claiming. They were found later and stuff, but there was, uh, speculations, and that was another thing that he did, was his, he had this idea that, like, I'm going to be the only person that truly knows, so he would intentionally name people that he knew were still alive, that he knew would get found, and he would always change the number that, that he confessed to, but he, he, 27 seemed to be the most popular number that he came to, but um, there were times where, I mean, he would confess to 200, to 250, to 130, yeah. to 100. He would always change the number of what he confessed to, and his idea was, no one's ever going to know truly except for me. No one's going to know. Like, that was his big thing. And, um, yeah, only nine were plausibly confirmed, and a lot of the people, like I said, he would, he would name people that he knew would be found alive, and it just, it always kind of, like, it was never honest. He was never honest about it, and that was his thing, was his, his big secret was going to be he was going to be the only one who knew how many people he actually killed. Um, and, yeah, and so he was just a, the first recorded U.S. serial killer. Um, he was actually arrested, um, like, he was caught because he was going to do a life insurance policy. He was going to do the, his life insurance scam on a friend and his friend's wife. And then he got his friend's wife to um, basically, pun intended, stab his friend in the back. <laughs> and they were going to be together and claim the life insurance policy on the friend. And then his plan was he was going to eventually kill her and claim her life insurance policy because he would seduce her, basically. They would kill the friend. She would get the life insurance money from that. And then his thought was, we'll get married. She'll put a life insurance on herself and make me the beneficiary. And then I'll kill her and get all of the money. And um, basically, they, they double-crossed him. And he was captured and arrested. Um, but, yeah, he, he had the entire, like, murder hotel that um, a lot of people thought he burned the bodies in the furnace. Some people thought that he would cut the bodies up and put them into the, uh, the, the cement and all of that stuff that went into the structure of the building. And there, there's all these different speculations of what he did with all of the bodies. Um, there's speculations that he ate them. There's speculations that Oh, yeah, he, I did see that. that yeah. There was... And it just, but again, it was one of those things that he went to the grave knowing the truth and he never actually exposed the full truth. He never was honest about any of it um, because that was his thing. He wanted to die being the only person that knew what really happened. Well, that is a thing of a psychopath and a sociopath is that in the end, 
they truly crave power. Well, okay, so uh, psychopathy and uh, antisocial personality specifically goes hand in hand with narcissism. So anytime you get somebody with an antisocial personality, they're going to be very smart. The, typically all of them are. And they're going to behave basically like they're the smartest person in any given room. And it's all about that, that sense of power, as yes. you said. And it, it's like this idea that I'm smarter than everybody here and I can do what I want, nobody can stop me, and I'm going to prove it. And that's where a lot of it starts. Um, and so, yeah, he, he had this concept that I'm going to hold the, full, the final power of knowing how many and knowing the truth, and nobody else is going to be able to take that from me. That was like his, his final narcissistic, I did not realize this was touchscreen. I don't know what I just did. Um, You're good. There you go. There we go. He, I don't he know how a, I just fixed that. He accidentally touched the laptop. Yeah, well, there was there was a, a hair on it, and I, I went, and it... Anyways. Uh, <laughs> we don't technology well, yeah, which is why I, we've been on a very slow I'm process so with all this, is because um, we're trying to figure out a lot of this stuff. Yeah, so, all right, so that was that was H.H. Holmes. Do you want to keep going on him, or do you think that was No, I, th- I think good... that's good, especially because he is going to be brought... Well, fucking everyone's going to be fucking brought up again, honestly. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to cover all these this, people again. Oh, God. Um, we, we literally could have done a whole fucking podcast just on this. Like, oh, we can do series. a series. Yeah, we can do an entire series just based on different serial killers. Like, we honestly could. Um, which, I'll talk about you. I'll talk about that after. Okay. Um, uh, so, yeah, we'll move from H.S. H.S. H.H. Holmes and to... And we'll go to more of how the whole si- science behind it uh, got brought to life in the FBI All right. um, with the Behavioral Science Unit. Yes, the Behavioral Science Unit is criminal profilers and they specialize in going after essentially serial killers. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, it, it started in 1972. Uh, agents Patrick Mullaney and Howard Tenton were the main bulk of the unit, and then it was they added ten other people that kind of just supported them. And Mulaney was the negotiator that really started it, right? I believe so. Yeah. Um, oh, I guess I could have just hi- wow, technology is amazing, isn't it? I fucked it up, but it's amazing. Um, so yeah, he was the uh, the instructor, <laughs> and yeah, he was the one who came up with the concept of profiling. Mm-hmm. So he was the one that that like essentially wrote the book on it. Um, he, well, literally, he wrote the book Literally, on it. yeah. Like, he, he was the one who started the entire thing. Um, and then... What? I just fucking closed it. I'm dumb. Um, you speak now. <laughs> so, pretty much, he came up with this concept because he saw that um, when he did negotiations that most of the time it didn't work. There were only so many things that he could do, especially by the book, and he was trying to figure out a way how, you know, he could stop it from even getting to that point. What if you can cut, cut them off? Kind of like Minority Report. Mm-hmm. Like, that was his whole concept, is to stop the crime before it even happens. Yeah. And he recognized that all these people had patterns in behavior. Yes. Uh, because of uh, being a psychopath and... Uh, what, what's the disorder that I keep on forgetting that you constantly say? Antisocial. Antisocial disorder. Yes. Um, um, narcissism. Qu- all yeah. that. He noticed that there was a patterns with them, mm. and him, and that's when he created the unit with a what's his face? Howard Tenton. 
Howard Tenton, yes. Yeah. Sorry, I'm terrible with names. No, you're okay. Um, real quick on that, because uh, you mentioned um, antisocial and psychopathy. Yeah. Um, we, we differentiate the two because they're not really the same. However, um, if you look in the DSM-5, which is the current manual for um, mental disorders and personality disorders, uh, psychopathy and sociopathy are not um, covered in the DSM-5. They are not disorders. They are not technically disorders. They are basically um, layman's term subcategories of antisocial personality disorder. Antisocial personality is seen as like the main one, and then it's, it's just kind of they're, they would basically essentially be subcategories, but they're not actually covered in the DSM. So um, technically the official term would be antisocial personality, but it's essentially like antisocial personality is a... Well, it's because they go hand in hand. Right? Yeah, and it, it's a softer version of psychopaths and, mm -hmm. and sociopaths, and which is why I think that the book, and if you look at Edmund Kemper's history and you, you take that book that we were talking about, The Psychopath Inside he, by James Fallon. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll cover him. Uh, if you look at their, and I'll, I'll cover that when we talk about them again, but if you look at their um, kind of, if you take them together, um, I think they're going to flip that. I think it'll be, um, psychopathy will be in the DSM, and it'll go from antisocial to prosocial as far as like a spectrum instead of antisocial and then having the other two and that that's yeah. my that's my ideas on it but yeah because i don't really agree with it that psychopathy isn't in it by itself like i understand why they go hand in hand but yeah is it is it really that every time that they are hand in hand like is has there been a psychopath that has not or like a serial killer with psychopathy does not have it well okay and that's that's the thing is like um if they say somebody's a psychopath yeah they what they really like um, I guess officially mean is that they're antisocial. They have antisocial personality. Um, that would be like an umbrella term for psychopath, sociopath, and all of that stuff. So it's not an official term. Um, so it's 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 more along the lines of like they say, oh, if you're a psychopath, what they mean is you just you have antisocial personality disorder. Which I still um, find hard to uh, wrap my hand around because. Okay. Um, Especially because they do create that power and they do like the attention mm -hmm. from their crimes when they're discovered. And that's why they make it, uh, why they have signatures, why they make it theatrical, yeah. mm -hmm. um, why they do body placements and why they do stuff like that. Yeah. For me, that screams you want attention and uh, that you do have some sort of sociability within you. Yes. So antisocial does not mean like they're not social. They're not sociable people. Most like the majority of psychopaths and you'll see it if you ever look at like interviews with Edmund Kemper, with Samuel Little, with um uh Charles it's a, Manson. It's a lack of empathy. They're well it is, but if you ever watch like when there there's Samuel Little interview tapes um that have disclaimers at the beginning because they're like, he's so manipulative and so charming that they disarm you. So it has nothing to do with, when they say antisocial, they don't mean like, oh, he's not sociable. Like he's not, they, they're very, very manipulative. What they mean by antisocial is they don't conform to the regular aspects of societal, like social ability. Um, they lack empathy. They lack anything really that doesn't pertain to them. Like they, they can, they can definitely get angry. They can definitely like get all of that stuff. But typically, they, they don't. Um, that's another common misconception. Is a lot of people think they don't feel emotion at all. They feel emotion. They can love. They can 
you know, they can hurt, they can get depressed. Antisocial actually goes hand in hand with depression as well. Mm-hmm. Um, they can they can feel all of these. It's just the um, literally the lack of empathy. They they if they can justify doing something that benefits them in their head, they will do it. It doesn't matter what it is; they can justify it. Another uh, kind of trait is, which is why some of them get caught a lot, or majority of them get caught. I guess majority. I don't know. We can't really say, but um, why so many of them get caught is uh, an inability to learn from past mistakes, and so that's another another issue that they have is is learning from previous mistakes. Like um, See, the I didn't know that the concept. Part. I would think that. Yeah. The, they they strive on perfection. Well, and that that's or is it because they be. already think that they're they perfect. exactly okay, so that's where the narcissism you. comes right. in is that like so let's say you take a um, a child who is antisocial, um, which again if they're a child it's not called antisocial it's called something else that's slipping my mind right now you have to be at least uh, eighteen years old to be classified as antisocial but um, that's so weird yeah it's it, there's a different term for it if you're a child but anyways let's say there's a child that shows the antisocial tendencies you don't have fucked up kid um, they uh, they have like let's say they're looking at a stove right and the stove is on it's an electric stove so there's no flame but they're they're looking at the hot stove and uh, they see it glowing red mm-hmm. and in the in the child's mind with antisocial he looks at the stove and he thinks he comes to the conclusion that if i touch that stove it's it benefits me in some way if it's if there's some like, obviously that's a kind of an extreme measure but just to kind of put it into perspective if he can justify it in his head that touching the hot stove will benefit him in some way he'll touch the stove it burns his hand he pulls his hand back says that was unpleasant and then a week later he comes back and looks at the stove and he'll come to the same conclusion and he'll touch it again it's a it's a very and that's why like a lot of serial killers get caught cuz they make the same mistakes over and over again and they don't see that they're making those mistakes and that's why that's how some of them get caught. So it's it's just kind of like this this almost like learning disability that they can't seem to. Uh, yeah, and it's because of the narcissism. It as a yeah, but it, it's it's considered a personality disorder because of the lack of empathy supersedes the learning disability. Wow, okay. um, but it, it's literally like they they just they have trouble learning from previous mistakes, and it's because of the narcissism, the extreme narcissism, that goes into thinking like you can do no wrong. Um, real quick before we go on, there is a story of a girl. Um, and then I'll come back to all of this. But there, there's a story of a girl. She was, I think, 10 to 13 years old. I don't remember exactly. But she was antisocial, like, just full-on, like, basically psychopath. Mm-hmm. And she, um, her, her, a family member, I don't remember all the details of the story. I haven't seen it in so long. A family member walked in on her slicing her arm open. And they thought she was trying to commit suicide. So they panic, they, send, they take her to the hospital, they stop the bleeding, they suture her up, they have her in a bandage and stuff, and a counselor comes in, a, a child counselor comes in and is speaking to her and asked her, like, why she decided to cut herself, you know, thinking, like, she was going to be, so, give some answer about why she was depressed or, you know, like, what? And so he asked her, why did, why did you cut yourself? And her response was she had just recently learned about muscles in school and she wanted to see how her muscles worked. But there was a bunch of skin in the way, so the only way to see the muscle was to remove the skin yes. to look at the muscle. So it justified in her head she her means, which was cutting the arm open and moving the skin so she can see her muscle when she moved her fingers. That, that it justified like the end justified the yeah, means. She wanted to she wanted to see how the muscles worked, and her curiosity was piqued. 
So she cut her arm open because that was the most logical thing that she could think of to do. And so that that's just well, like that an aspect me of in, um, beautiful mind when mm. he he's he's looking for the chip in his arm and like he opens up his arm he does yeah. the same thing and he's like oh I can't and everyone comes in they're like oh my god you're trying to kill yourself and he's just like I can't find it I can't find the chip yeah you know? and it's it's that's that's yeah and so like a lot of psychopaths end up having delusions and stuff and the big difference between psychopath and sociopath is um, psycho psychopath basically you're born that way. And you're you're born a psychopath. You're you're kind of just from the beginning. There's kind of just some some imbalances and stuff. And they're a lot more violent. They typically tend to be a little more intelligent, but they're a lot more violent, a lot more calculating, a lot more cold. And they have a, a basically a lack of empathy from birth. Um, a sociopath, on the other hand, um, doesn't always have to be born that way. A sociopath can undergo some kind of horrific trauma that causes enough basically PTSD in their head that shuts off that lack of empathy as like a survival measure and they can physically go crazy and become sociopaths. I would have totally thought it would be the other way around. Yeah. It's it's a weird like it's a, that's why with, I with um sociopath mm. also that is someone who believes they are above others. Yeah, and so it, it's just like this um this yeah. basically it's just uh it's just the shutting off of the empathy. So a sociopath could eventually, in theory, become relatively normal again. It's just that it's locked behind a bunch of trauma and a bunch of like bad experiences or some major event that caused them to kind of fly off the handle. Mm-hmm. And um, but I, I think that distinction and that like how they're so different. I personally believe they should both be in the DSM along with antisocial because antisocial does not quite cover both of those in its definition. They're they're so vastly different that I think it's yeah. it should all be, but again that's they're that's something that they're talking about for the DSM six and um, that all you know it's an entire group of basically the entire psychology um, community gets together and and works that out so um, so that that right? might be something that yeah comes out with the DM, DSM six but I, I seriously think it's going to be changed I, I believe I fully believe that uh, psychopathy. Um, is more based on a spectrum rather than just mm-hmm. psychopath or not psychopath. Um, so anyways, uh, so getting away from all of that, um, yeah, Patrick Mullaney saw kind of like all of these these similarities between all of it. And um, Howard Tenton had a little bit more pull in the FBI. And so they kind of got together and they, they worked all through this. And uh, Howard Tenton was seen more as like the... Uh, um, I guess babysitter, <laughs> if you yeah. will. He had more experience. He had more, like, he was a little bit older. Patrick Mullaney was more of, like, the younger kind of... Um, if you've ever seen the show, uh, what is it? Um, oh, fuck. I forgot. I can't remember the show the right Netflix now. The Netflix show. Yeah. Uh, um, we, have, we have technology right now. Yeah, I know. Sorry for snapping. That was probably really annoying. Snap, uh, snap, 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 snap. Nice, nice, nice. I know, right? Uh, Holy crap. I know. I want it. It's not well. Criminal Minds. Is no, and that that was uh, popped into my head too. But that's yeah, not. Yeah, that's um, why I keep on wanting to say. Um, uh, Netflix show on serial. There we go. Eighteen. Mine Hunter. Yeah, holy crap! It's like my favorite show on Netflix right now, and I, I can't think of the freaking name. You know what? I kind um, of look at how many. Sh- oh yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. Um, so Mindhunter, if you've ever seen that show, uh, I don't remember the character, can you pull that up real quick, character names? I think they are accurate to it. Uh, no, I, I don't believe so. Um, it's on two seasons? 
Yeah, there is a second is season. Is it canceled? No, no, it's still going on. They just, they're slow with oh. production. It was like COVID. two years before. Um, uh, yeah. Bill, oh, wow. Okay, yeah, yeah. you're right. Ford. Holden Ford. Ford and Holden Ford would be Patrick Mullaney and um, uh, Bill Tench. Yeah, yeah. And then Bill they Tench also, would be Howard Tenton. They bring in a psychologist. Yeah. Car. And, um, so, and so that was. And so it's pretty much the three of them, and I think they get, mm-hmm. like, another guy who kind of acted as an assistant. Yeah. But then, like, he and that, became part of the unit. Obviously, you know, that's a little, like, dramatized. There wasn't just four of them or three of them or whatever. There was, there was the two main, and they had, uh, kind of multiple agents that were also assigned to their unit, and, um, they kind of made up everything and, and started the whole thing. So then um, the notable names within uh, the Behavioral Sciences Unit was in 1976, um, this, this person, John E. Douglas, is kind of the pioneer. He's considered the pioneer of criminal profiling because he took what they had and put it into practice into actually catching serial killers. And uh, so he became like the pioneer and considered the father of this unit and the father of profiling simply because he basically showed that what they did when what the concepts that they came up with worked. He he actually like put it into practice and showed that it, it legitimately works. And when did he come up with the concept of interviewing the um, killers? So that was actually that was done throughout uh, the seventies. Um, that was that so was part correct. of yeah, so Patrick Laney and Howard Tetton oh were two of the ones that they went around doing a lot of interviews and stuff like that. We didn't even think of what's his face. Who? Um, who started a whole cult. Yeah, Charles Manson. I brought yeah. him up a second ago. Did you? Yeah. Oh. When we were talking about, like, psychopaths and how they're very manipulative. and that. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, the guy literally got other people to kill people for him. Yeah. So he's very manipulative. Um, and that was another thing, too, is he was able to look at people and, and basically say, like, that is somebody that I can manipulate. That's the type of person that I want to pursue to try to get to follow me. And he he was really good at it. Um, that was the other thing, too, though. And that that's, I think, another thing that made Ed Kemper so... It's fascinating, which is what we'll get into right after this. But um, so yeah, so it, it, uh, it 1976, uh, Johnny e. Douglas takes over and basically pioneers it and puts it into practice, shows that it works, and it's been it's been on ever since. Uh, they're they're a growing, uh, very very quickly growing, um, uh, I guess unit, um, and they now have agents that not only like that practice in it and then go around the entire country and they teach um, police units and detectives, they teach them a lot of what they, they've learned and a lot of what they've put into practice and they kind of just give classes on it and they have like this whole thing. And um, it's a very, very interesting thing. Uh, it's, it's growing very, very quickly, but they primarily deal with serial offenders, whether that be arson, rape, or murder because they all kind of um, fall under the same category they all follow the same guidelines and principles discussing in the last episode which brought us to this what um was that serial rapists are the same in in that uh with their behaviors yeah yeah and i i did misspeak earlier Uh, it was douglas and and robert wrestler um Robert Ressler was the one that worked with Douglas. They were the ones that actually conducted the interview through the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was uh, 36. They did 36 serial predators that they interviewed across the U.S. Really? Okay. Yeah. And uh, so the the show Mindhunter is a mix of the stories of Patrick Mullaney, Howard Tenton, and then John Douglas and Robert Ressler. Um, so it's kind of a mix of the two, which is why they changed their names, I guess. But... 
because um, John Douglas actually wrote a book that uh, Mindhunter was based off of, like loosely based off of, about all the interviews and everything. And if you've seen the show, one of the interviews that they continuously come back to, and it's my personal favorite serial killer, which sounds so weird to say. When I say that to people that don't really know me, they're like, what? <laughs> and I didn't when even I mean, know about him. When I mean personal favorite, I mean, like, I think he's just fascinating, and I, I seriously don't understand why we haven't spent more time studying him. If they have good on them, and they're just not releasing it, it's part of what they do. But mm-hmm. if they haven't, um, I definitely think it's uh, something that... Are we running out of battery? We're on the low end. So, yeah, sorry okay. if... I- if you're watching the video and I'm constantly squinting at you. Yeah, she, uh, <laughs> she's checking the battery and, and making sure it doesn't die while we're mid-sentence. Yeah. Um, but just let me know. You can cut me off whenever we need to change Well, I'll it. let you know when it's... It, it just Start, did it. Yeah, it just okay. did it. All right. All right, that was good timing. So Very good timing we're going to change out the batteries and then we'll continue yeah, this. So we will be right we'll back. We'll pick back up. Our next topic is leading into Ed Kemper. Yes, which is perfect because you were oh for a very, very long time. I'm and going I'm to. I'm excited. It's right. amazing. We'll be right back. All right. Okay. All right. So we got Sorry the battery change. Yeah. We should be good. Um, but it was a good stopping point because yeah. this The transition is, to Ed Kemper. Oh, yeah. I think this is going to be your favorite part. Oh, absolutely. So I had no idea who Ed Kemper mm. was prior. And I'll admit, I... I I was like one of those basic bitches of when it came to serial killers. Like I thought they were cool, thought they were interesting, <laughs> um, knew about Ted Bundy mm-hmm. and all that shit. But uh, then you brought up Kemper. I'm like, who the fuck is Kemper? Yeah. And he's just like, oh no, he is like my favorite serial killer of all time. And instead of being concerned, I was more like, tell me more. <laughs> well, we had established ourselves at like interesting conversations at this point. Yes. So it was like, anytime it was like, oh, I have this awesome thing to tell you about. And then it was just like, ooh, yes, explain. Like, tell me more. So, um, so yeah, Ed Kemper is by far my favorite serial killer, which is funny because a lot of people, if you ask them their favorite, they say Zodiac. And it's mainly the mystery behind him because he never got caught. That makes sense. And I get that. I totally understand that. If if Zodiac is your favorite killer, I get it. If Samuel Little's your favorite killer, I get it. If, you know, like, Ed Kemper is my favorite um, because he's just so, like, just so self-aware and just so satisfying. Like, just fascinating. And that's fair. I can understand that. I can, you know, I can understand, like, he's very, very, you know, like, intelligent, like, kind of... Ed Kemper, to me, I think, is the pinnacle of serial killers. Mm. I, I think Ed Kemper is one of the serial killers, one of the few serial killers that I think if he didn't want to get caught, he was never going to get caught. And I think if it wasn't for him... And that is the most interesting thing about him. Yeah. Is, that, is he the only one that turned himself in? I don't know if he's the only one, but he's the most notable one that did it. Yeah. Um, and I was shocked that you said he had a very low kill rate compared to what yeah, he had. Yeah, he had 10 victims. And I know that's fucked up to say, but I really don't well, think Well, compared that to, high. I mean, like Samuel Little has uh, uh, allegedly over 90, he's 93, yeah. um, over 60 confirmed. Yeah, I, um, when I hear serial killer, I'm assuming that they killed anywhere between 20 to 30 people mm-hmm. minimum. But now he, he had 10. But I also think he, I, I would go as far as saying Ed Kemper is the most intelligent serial killer in history. 
So they measured his IQ at 145. Oh shit! <laughs> 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 it's on the bucket. Um, that's pretty hard to. Yeah. That's pretty hard no, to argue. No, it's they measured his IQ at 145. He so. made men's at his bitch. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. So and I I think he was misdiagnosed. I I think he's, I think he was vastly misunderstood until he started getting properly interviewed and until um. People started asking the right questions. I, I don't think he was understood. And he, even to this day, like, he plays this game that, like, anytime he's interviewed, it's it's a game to him. And it's, it's just fascinating to watch. If you ever get a chance to watch any of his interviews, some of them are on YouTube. It just, like... It's just amazing. Just it's so I interesting. I haven't watched that interview since you first told me to. Yeah, that, and that was that was like one of our first like in depth. conversations. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, that's you, typically it's it's strange, but that's typically my first in depth conversation with anybody is, is serial killers. Oh. Is about serial killers, that, and Ed that's, Kemper that's is the one that comes up. That's what you're going to school for, and that is yeah. the profession you want to get into. Exactly. Once again. Disclaimer, he is not a serial killer. Yeah. Um, We're training to be a serial, <laughs> serial killer. killer. He wants to stop them. I, I want to I want to stop them. I want to catch them. I want to study them. That's that's my... I, I'm fascinated by how their minds work. Um, I think it's just extremely interesting, and I think the uh, better we grasp the understanding of a serial killer, I think the better we can understand about just people in general. Yeah, um, I, I full-heartedly agree. So, uh, he is considered a serial killer and a necrophile oh, ed kemper yeah. is um he did some fucked up shit. he did he he definitely did so he he killed 10 people um his first kills were at the age of 15 where he killed his grandparents so his parents were divorced and he was taken by his mother he lived with his mom who became extremely ab- abusive mm-hmm. so she abused him a lot and he kind of um, developed this like hatred, but also this fear of his mother. Now, later on in life, he still feared his mom, which is very strange because the guy's six six feet nine inches tall. Yeah, he's, he's a big if, guy. If you look at what he looks like, he is a very he's he's a huge person. guy, and which is so it adds so much more to the like his victims willingly got into the car with him. He didn't kidnap any. He didn't forcibly take any of them. They willingly got in the car, every single one of them, with the exception but, of his grandparents and his mom. Uh, well, the thing is, is like, yes, he is a very large man, but he's in the car, so it's hard to judge the size of him. Like, you can true. see he was a bigger guy, um, but you don't know how tall he is. And plus, he was someone who kept well, and oh, he man. looked very proper, and he <sighs> looked like, you know, a regular, so, you know, nerdy white guy. Honestly. He actually has an interview where he talks about, they, they ask him how he got people to get into the car with him, mm-hmm. and he said it was it was about presentation. So he had this concept, he said he, he had it down to a science, where he literally said as he would, like, he'd be pulling up, and he would see somebody that, because he picked up, uh, it was again in the 70s, he would pick up uh, hitchhikers. Sorry. Um, he would pick up hitchhikers, and um, he would, like, pull in, and, uh, I'm sorry, he was in the 60s, uh, but he would pull in and um, uh, pick them up, basically, take them out in the middle of nowhere, and then he would kill them and have sex with the corpse. Um, How do you kill, what was his method? Uh, typically, he would strangle them and then decapitate them. Ah, yes. Yeah. 
So he. Um, I don't know why I thought he 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 would he was um he was a stabber. I don't know why. No, well, he he has stabbed some some of his victims because he actually describes that too when he he said um he was talking about like movies and he said when you stab somebody they don't um just die instantly like they do in the movies and he was like when you stab somebody and this is actually he said they leak to death he didn't say they bleed to death he said they leak to death I think that's why I thought like his whole thing was stabbing yeah was because you said that and I was just like no he 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 did stab some of the victims but he he would um. He would kind of strangle them and then yeah. decapitate them and then, um, yeah, he uh, he was just a strange guy, but he would so fascinating. Yeah, he would he would decapitate them and then he would he would um, have sex with them through the hole in the neck that was created from the decapitation, like through their throat basically yeah. from the top of their body. Um, so at the age of fifteen, again, he was he was um, abused by his mom, developed this fear and this hatred of his mom. And uh, he basically came to the conclusion at the age of 15 that he couldn't do anything to his mom because he was afraid of her. So he had to kill the source of his hatred. And at the time, the source of his hatred was the ones who created his mother, his grandparents. So he killed both grandparents at the age of 15. Um, He was arrested and he was diagnosed a paranoid schizophrenic. Um, because of his logic of if I kill them, that'll solve my problem. I'll get rid of the source. Um, so he was he was deemed a paranoid schizophrenic, and uh, he was deemed criminally insane, and he went to juvie, and because he was underage, he wasn't of age of, you know, an adult. Um, he was eventually released at the age of twenty one. Which I have to say that whole loophole thing. Yeah. How many serial killers? did kill someone at an underage time and then were yeah. caught and then released at... Because of juvie. Yeah, yeah. because of juvie. I, I feel like that shouldn't be a... Basically, well, if they're... There are where they, they do try him as an adult. Right? Yeah, so basically what it is is... Um, it depends on the state, but the mo- the most determining factor is whether they're deemed criminally insane. If they're deemed insane, that if they if they're deemed more mature enough to yeah, understand what they that did. that's what it is. So if they're deemed yeah. insane, they're they're not mature enough to uh, they're not coherent enough, I guess, to understand. Oh what yeah, that's they're really doing. the term is if they're co- they were coherent. Yeah, so they they didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know the consequences. They put them in juvie and then they release them at the age of twenty one. Um, if they're if they're that bad, like with the insanity, like he honestly he probably should have been put into a mental institution. Um, mm-hmm. as a child, which is something that happens a lot more now. But uh, it is just, it, like, he was released at 21 because um, he was not tried as an adult. And uh, so basically when he was released, he had to see psychiatrists, you know, like pretty commonly or pretty regularly. And um, he uh, live. he moved in with his mom. And his mom was, I believe, a professor at a college. So he lived near a, a campus, and that's where most of his victims came from. That he would drive around the campus, and they were college students that didn't have vehicles. I don't know why that surprises me, and it shouldn't, because he did have such a high mm-hmm. IQ that some of it had to be hereditary. Yeah, oh, probably, yeah. yeah. His, his mom was probably very smart. Um, Smarty smarts. But yeah, so he... Uh, he would basically like drive around the college and pick up the girls. And at first, he said he would 
he would pick them up and he would just kind of drive around and then he would drop them off and then he would like, you know, and he would kind of, and then eventually he decided that he was going to kill one of them. So when he stopped, it was actually two people. It was two girls together. Yeah. And that was his first incident. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Quotation yeah. incident. Um, so he, uh, yeah, he, he killed, um, he killed two and uh, he drove him out to the forest and he stabbed one. He took one out into the forest and he stabbed her to death. And then he came back covered in blood to the car and told her friend, like, hey, she tripped, she's injured, I need your help. Like, you know, it's, it's like she's, she's badly hurt, like we need to help her. So her friend was right away going into friend mode yeah. and was like, oh my God, where is she? Lead me to her. So then he takes her out there, she finds her friend dead, and then he kills her too. And that was, uh, like, for your... Um, like, to be able to come back after killing one of them... And, and have the mental the capacity. One, like, hey. After your... Yeah, like, and that that's his... The third time he's killed somebody, obviously, his grandparents, but that's his first, like, thought-out, articulated kill. Mm-hmm. And to come back and be able to convince the other person to think of that. Because you wouldn't think, like, you know, you gotta think. Like, he's coming back to the car, covered in blood. The other person's gonna freak out. Mm-hmm. It's obviously, like, your first thought is, this person... It's not okay. This person is a murderer. Yeah. You know, that would that would be your initial thought. But he immediately disarms that by panicking and saying, You gotta help me, she's hurt. And then her just that that, that immediately That is absolute genius. Like Because <laughs> the... I remember when you first told me, I was I, like I my jaw literally dropped. I was like, What the fuck? Yeah. Really? And like, and she went with it? Like, how yeah. in the fuck? But if and he was able to basically show a level of panic that was believable and she followed him out there and 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 then he killed her as well um and so it was just kind of one of those things that like it just his his methods it just he was so intelligent and um so anyway so he goes on to kill uh seven more and um so his body count got up to nine total and he decided that he wanted to essentially stop killing um, so what he did was he, um, killed his mom because again, he came to the conclusion that the source of his anger and, and hatred was his mom. So he thought if I get rid of her, all the rest of it will follow the rest of my issues and everything will go with it. The thing that got me the most with that, and it was one of the things that still sticks with me when I think of, uh, Ed Kemper is what he did with her body. Yeah. And, like, well, not with her body, what he did with the other bodies. Yeah. Well, he, he did that to his mom's body, too, but it was a little bit, it was the reversed. No, 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 how he put the remains. Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So he would he would keep the heads. He had this gym bag that he actually stole from his one of his first victims. Um, and he would he would take the decapitated heads, and he would put them in the gym bag, and he would bring them home. And then he would eventually go outside and he would bury him beneath his mother's window. And then he would bury him kind of like face up beneath the window. And he said it was, um, she always wanted people looking up to her. So his victims were looking up to the mother. as sort of like, a, she's the reason that they're dead. And, um, and his mother was his last victim, right? Yeah, his mom was his last victim. So he killed her. Yeah. And so then... I, um, I, I see like a love-hate there then. Like, I don't think it was just solely because of fear. I well, think it was also he, because he always still wanted 
he he said that one of the reasons that he didn't kill his mom right away, he was still afraid of her. Yeah. And then when he realized he shouldn't be afraid of her, that he needs to get rid of her, the fear changed. The fear just kind of vanished. Well, do you think part of the reason why he did do that, so that where, how he what he did with the heads was kind of like a tribute to her to be like, oh, hey, look, you know, you should be proud of, proud of me? I think it was being more petty. I honestly, really? I think it was being more petty. I think it was him being more like... Um, like, you want people to look up to you so badly, they're, this is your fault. Like, he blamed her for, for his reason of killing. And he was basically like, this is your fault, and you want people to look up to you so badly. Well, these people are dead because of you, and they're looking up to you. I'm not taking your word thing. for it because you know a lot I, I just, I, honestly, like, it could be. It could be, like, a level of, like, um, like be proud of me, I guess. But I, I seriously, I, my personal thoughts is I think it was more of just, like, him being petty. Um, but besides all that, there's literally, like, he tells a story of he came home after killing somebody and he had the, the head in his gym bag and there was a couple leaving the same apartment complex that him and his mom lived at. And he said he was walking up the stairs. They were walking down the stairs to go on a date. He said, I smiled at them. They smiled back. And his, it was just like this idea that he said it was in almost in that moment, um, is kind of when he became extremely self-aware in which he thought, like, the difference between the two lives. And he was like, they're, they're going off and they're living this life, and they see me living my life. They have no idea what I've just done. And my simple smile and nod was reciprocated. And uh, it was more of like a, um, like... At that moment, he became self-aware enough to differentiate between his two lives. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I can live a normal life and still kill and get away with it, essentially. What was the uh, statistic about, uh, like, every, like, like certain amount of people, like, so, you, you pass a killer? It's something like, so, um, FBI statistic, I need some water. Yeah. I'm sorry. I know. FBI statistics say that it estimates that there's 25 to 50 active okay. serial killers at any given moment in the United States. Um, so it's, I mean, it's relatively thought that you, you have a chance of passing one at some point. Um, I, the stats go up a little bit when it's thought that, oh, you're passing someone that's killed somebody. But the actual likelihood of passing a serial killer, there's 25 to 50 active at any given moment, that's not very high chances. Um, the difference, of course, between somebody killing somebody and a serial killer is vast. Like, it's a huge difference, you know, so it's, it's kind of, it well, makes sense I there wouldn't be many of them. I think that's what the study was. I think it was, like... Passing somebody that's killed somebody kind of yeah. a thing? Yeah. Which, and that would be a lot more that, common. Yeah, and that can kind of be, like, a kind of bullshit one where, like, you take it in, like, war veterans mm -hmm. or, yeah. like, uh, And you could do that. Exactly. And, like, um... Like but yeah, so uh, so um, so Ed Kemper, uh, he he killed his mom and he decapitated her and then instead of like having sex through the throat going into the body, he went through the throat into the head, and which was a strange and it, like I I haven't seen any interviews if they've asked him why he did that or why he chose to, but it's just kind of a strange like switch i think that is something that that should be asked and like i don't understand why he chose to do it differently and Maybe i, I he think felt like it was more demol 
demoralizing. It could be, and it could be, yeah, like a, a less of like a, like more of um, uh, disrespectful or demeaning to do it that way. But, and I, I, I honestly don't know, and I, I think that's something that I would I would very 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 much like to ask him if I ever could. Um, is that that would be one of the questions that I would ask him is why why the switch why why was it different? Um, but yeah, so he kills his mom. And the interesting thing is he wanted to see if he could live a normal life because he realized that the, um, he basically was like, I still feel the need to kill, but I want to see if now that she's gone, if I can control it. So he goes out and he has everything in his, in his, um, his car. He has the knife, he has the, the rope, he has the gloves that like everything that he normally takes with him when he goes to kill somebody. So he goes out and he has it all in his car. And he pulls up, and it's two girls. And same setup as his initial first killings of this spree. And he sees these two girls, and he said he was instantly reminded of the first two that he killed. So he pulls up, picks them up, and asks them where they're going, drives them to their destination, drops them off, and drives away. And you would think that's like, oh, okay, you know, he figured out but no he said the amount of effort that it took to not kill them was way too great and he knew that he would not be able to do that for the rest of his life that he was going to kill somebody again so ed kemper was also very very fascinated with police officers he constantly was trying to join the police force but because of his previous um diagnosis of, of paranoid schizophrenic and because of his previous murders of his grandparents he was never deemed stable enough to be a police officer so he was constantly like I, I think um, that was rejected a, for the job. Overall, yeah, definitely. But uh, so he was constantly rejected. So he would go to bars that police officers frequented, and he was kind of known by the local police force. Off of him, off of his personality. They might have. Because it sounds like it. Like the more, the more like we talk about it, mm. and the more like we revisit, uh, re- revisit him. It's like, especially with the police thing. And donuts. You said he would bring him in donuts, right? Yeah, he would bring him donuts. That's he would one bring of the staples for yeah. Dexter is that, like, that's what um, he would do in the forensic science. Yeah, and he he, uh, he would go there and he would talk to him about their work. He would yeah. ask him about it and stuff. And um, eventually he was kind of started asking him about his killings. Um, and because they would find essentially, like, body remains and stuff. and um, But they never tied them together. That was the other thing is they never knew any of them were connected. And he found that out. And that's when he kind of realized that he could do this for the rest of his life and he would never get caught because none of his murders were tied together until he confessed. How didn't... Well, because all, they would just find body parts. They wouldn't find any kind of signatures or anything. They were just finding, like, uh, parts so of bodies and stuff. So he would just leave the bodies... It wasn't place. whole without yeah. the head. It was... He would, he would completely them. dismember them. And so they were finding body yeah. parts and, and stuff. And also, this is before um, profiling was big. It was, yeah, yeah, it was before profiling was big. It was before the Behavioral Sciences Unit even yeah. existed. Um, and cops did not make it part of their regular study at this point. No, no, not at all. Uh, so, yeah, so he um, he would go there and he would ask about, you know, the cases. And, and it wasn't, he said, it, like, he was smart enough to know not to directly ask about them because he shouldn't have that information. Mm-hmm. So he would just be like, oh, I heard a rumor of, of like, that there might be, like, you know, like this, you like, there's that. bodies that, and, yeah, right? Um, but, and they would, they would kind of give him like, oh, we can't tell you all the details. And he would let them talk. He would let them kind of 
come up with the stuff that he was learning. And some of the cops were interviewed that he talked with that, you know, he called, literally he called one of the cops that he liked the most from one of those bars when he turned himself in. And they were like, they had no idea. They thought he was just like some kid that was abused by his mom and made a bad life decision and now just really, really wants to be a cop and is living vicariously through their stories. So they were like, we kind of saw him as like an annoying guy that would come in and ask us about our stories, but we told him to him because, you know, he wanted to be a cop yeah. so badly. Like they just saw him as a they very, they yeah, they, they, they saw him as a very threat. disarming person. Which, and, again, <laughs> um, I will say in that way you brought in before how you were so surprised that he was able to have the charisma to get people into his car so he can mm -hmm. kill them. I think it's more of a testament that he was able to do that to the police officers because they saw how big he was and they knew his record prior. Yeah. So I think that is the main testament of how well, smart he was and mm -hmm. how good of an actor he was. So there was... There was um, well, that and also that he fucking came out from killing one girl and, like... And like talked the other one into going out into the forest with him. Jesus. Um, <laughs> so there's, there's another one that I think is even more impressive... He picked up one of his victims, mm -hmm. and he was driving her. She told him where she wanted to go. He was driving her out into the woods. She started to realize that he wasn't going in the direction that she needed to go. She kind of started panicking, and he started getting, like, very silent with her and not really, you know, like, kind of paying attention to her. Like, he was just like, I'm going from point A to point B. She no longer matters. She's going to die soon. And he made an unscheduled stop and got out of his car. And he locked the doors but left his keys in the car because he had the doors locked. So he locked himself out of his car. The knife and the rope were under the passenger seat, which is where he always kept them. Locked himself out of his car, which was running with the girl, his next victim, inside of the car. And he, she was already suspicious because they weren't even going in the right direction. And he's never said how. My, I'm sorry, my eye is killing me right now. He's never said how. But he talked her back into he talked her into letting him back into the car. She opened the door for him and let him back into the car. And he's he's like when he's talked about that story, he said that So he truly is like the yeah. master manipulator. Oh he is. And when he's talked about that story, he said that um, she was so close to getting away and she had no idea. She had no idea how close she was to surviving. But she messed up and let him back in the car. And uh, that was that was it. She ended up dying. I think I have an eyelash in my eye. Very sorry. Um, I might try to get that real quick. Well, actually, um, we're at an hour, so do you want... We have two options. Mm. And we're saying this out loud to everybody, because... Not that you'll have a say in this part. <laughs> you'll have a say in other things, but for this one, uh, we can stop here and do the spin and set up for another episode, and then we can just come up uh, back to serial killers at some point, mm. or we can do a part two. Because we only really did. Um, we hit what we said we initially wanted, but we did not hit all the other serial killers. Yeah, and I, there's definitely a lot more on Ed Kemper that I do want to talk about. Um, I mean, like, I, I was... So I'll leave it up to you. Ah, man... You know, I'd, I'd really like to do a part two, just because okay. I, I do want to finish this, I, I the stories with Ed Kemper. Anyway. Yeah. Um, um, and right. I, I just, I, w I really want to hit on why I think he was so different than, than everyone else. Okay. Um, so if you want to go take care of your eyelash, yeah, I'm gonna and do that. I'll do the outro.
okay. if you want. Um, um, I can sit here for it. It's fine. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, so, as you said, we're going to come back to this. We're not going to do a spin. We're mm-hmm. going to do this part one, and uh, it will be part two for the next episode uh, that you can tune into next week. Um, we have the Patreon up. Uh, we have Instagram up. Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, and this is going to be a topic we're going to come to a few times, but it 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 probably is a good idea that we do a two-parter for this just to mm. show uh, how much this is a real big topic that uh, we both enjoy, and it is his main area. <laughs> so I would uh, probably yeah. do this on a history subject or probably honestly probably what's really going to get it because you brought up before it was an environmental Mm -hmm. yeah so those are those are going to be we're going to be flipped and i'm going to be sitting here listening to her go on for an hour (laughs) for two hours which is fine it'll it'll be good it's a a lot of uh, really really interesting stuff this is our show we get to do what we want exactly and you know um this is yeah, we do what we want. Yeah. Also, by the time this one comes out, we will have a Twitter. So check us out on Twitter as well. Um, I don't mind you saying that because that's all you Yeah, know. that's on me. So no, <laughs> check us out on Twitter as well. It's it's all the same. Uh, 11. Yeah. Uh, page 11 podcast. All one word. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we'll see you guys for part two. Yeah, so we'll thank you for there. tuning in for part one. And uh, don't forget to tune in for part two and all the rest of our episodes. So yep. Thank you. This has been the... Uh, Page 11 podcast, yep. the unrecommended podcast. I almost said the the old podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. All right. Well, thank you, guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> thank you. Thank you.